0: Welcome to the Harry Podcast, where ancient wisdom meets everyday life. I'm Tom, and I'm here to guide you on this journey. Today's episode is called Atlantis and Timaeus. We read this fascinating account written by Plato to realize that Atlantis might not be a legend. We are not here to delve into mysticism or complicated concepts, we are here to keep it real, natural and relatable. So whether you're on your morning commute, sipping tea at home or just out for a walk, this conversation is for you. Welcome to the Heru Podcast. I'm Tom and I'm very excited about today's episode since we'll be talking about Atlantis. And if you're like me, you've probably often heard about Atlantis in YouTube videos or maybe some series such as Stargate. And there are also many books about this uh, tale or, or this story, this ancient civilization. And I decided to actually note down every time I would come across a source of information about Atlantis. One of the most famous sources of information about Atlantis was Plato's account called Timaeus and Critias. I was actually expecting them to be much longer and complicated to understand, but actually it was a quick and easy read, it was fascinating. And I decided to take notes, and write an article on each of them. Timaeus being one conversation, and Critias being a follow-up on the first conversation. So I decided to write one article on each dialogue, um, both on the website Heru.fm, so H-E-R-U.fm, and also on Medium. Read those articles to really get um, a you know a summary of, of those two books but I would highly encourage you to buy the books and read them it's again a very easy and in quick read Uh, just a heads up Timaeus is not all about Atlantis so you'll find you know an introduction basically with a lot of information already on Atlantis but then it will go on other topics such as the laws of physics, the creation of the universe, which can be also very fascinating, but um, I I found it a bit difficult to follow along. Like it was a lot of information, and since I was reading those conversations, those two books, um, for the sake of you know finding information about Atlantis, I kind of skimmed through the parts that were not directly linked to to Atlantis. So, nevertheless, I would encourage you to read Timaeus, at least until the section about Atlantis, and then if you want to skip through it and, and just go straight to Critias, which is all about Atlantis. So the whole account, Critias, only deals with Atlantis. So if, but still, you know, I would still read Timaeus because it's like an introduction and then Critias will go more in in depth, like more in details on the notions that have been uh, mentioned in Timaeus. In this episode, what I wanted to do is to focus on Timaeus only. So you know what to expect if you decide to read it. And then in a follow-up episode number nine, that would be Atlantis part two, basically focusing on Critias. And uh, I think the follow-up, like the, the following episode might be a bit longer, but I wanted this one to be, you know, short and sweet for you to get a, a taste, a, a preview of this topic. Maybe you're new to it, maybe you vaguely heard of Atlantis but never really got interested into in it. So I just wanted to give you like kind of a, a short um, preview and then if you really like it, if you're interested you can go to episode 9, which would be a bit longer and more detailed. So let's get into it. So Atlantis was mentioned in Plato's Timaeus in Critias. These are dialogues, like philosophical conversations between Socrates, who basically acts like the host of the conversation, you know, asking questions and introducing the speakers, etc., uh, you also have Critias, who is our guy. Basically, he's the guy who is talking about Atlantis in both conversation, in both Timaeus and Critias. The third character is Timaeus, and the last one is Hermocrates. So Hermocrates barely speaks. We don't learn much, much about him. Timaeus speaks a lot in Timaeus, right? That's uh, why this account is named after him and Timaeus, as I said, doesn't really speak about Atlantis. He's focusing on the creation of the universe, the laws of physics and other philosophical takes. and Critias is the, the one who is actually introducing Atlantis in Timaeus. It's like a short introduction but it's full of information and that's what I want to focus on today. So we'll focus on this information. I'll go through different quotes as well from the book, but I don't want to spoil it entirely. So I highly invite you um, to read it. In Timaeus, what we learn from Critias is basically where he got this tale, like who passed it on to him. And actually is really clear that it's a historical account and not a myth or a legend, but really something that has been passed on from generation to generation in his family. And so, Critius, who is a statement philosopher as well, introduces Dropids. That's the name of one of his ancestors, so great-great-grandfather, who lived at the time of Solon, who was the wisest of the seven sages. He was also a statesman, very renowned all over the world, not only in ancient Greece but also in Egypt, as we learn and talk about later on. He was a philosopher and a traveler, and so that's how he came to Sais in the delta of Egypt, and he met with high priests. And one of them told him the story of Atlantis. And this high priest who told Solon about Atlantis is called Tereupon. So this, this was to give you uh, the names of the main protagonists. So again, Critias got this story from his great-great-grandfather, Dropids, who was a disciple of Solon. And Solon got it from a high priest in Egypt called Terreupon. I found interesting that such a large section of Timaeus is about how Critias got this this story, like who he got it from, etc. Like it's like really detailed and Plato insists that this is a true story. Look it up when you do a Google search. While you what you'll find is that scholars consider these two conversations to be like uh, fictional just to illustrate Plato's ideals basically but read them for yourself because me personally that's my own take on it reading them they are more like historical accounts and so many details are given on Atlantis especially in Critias that to me There is no way it could be fictional, like it's definitely not. And actually Plato, through Critias, actually insists a lot on the accuracy and truth to this tale. So let's get into what Theropon says to Solon in Egypt. Solon wanted to begin the conversation with the Prius because he was just listening at some point, like the Prius were talking about the ancient times basically from the point of view of Egypt. But Solon was amazed by how far back they were able to to go and to remember and to talk about because he himself only knew a fraction of what they knew in terms of timeline in terms of history of his own people. So Solon was a bit intimidated, like he was like, I'll probably be really cool if I try to participate in the conversation and I cannot go as far back as they can. But I still want to know, maybe they know things that I don't know about my own people. So I want to engage the conversation with them. And so Solon started sharing the whole list accounts he could recall. Talks about Foroneus, Niobe, and the deluge, the latest deluge that he knew of, and how Deucalion and Pyrrha survived the deluge. So that's the whole account Solon can tell. And Seriopon actually interrupted Solon, saying, and I quote, Oh, Solon, Solon, you Hellenes are never anything but children. So Seriopon told Solon that although he was able to recall the latest deluge, there have been, and will be again, many destructions of mankind arising out of many causes. And so, Seropon explains to Solon that the surface of the Earth is regularly destroyed by a and that these tragic events were recurring after long intervals of time. So it's basically every, I believe it's every 26,000 years that such an event happened. But within this large period of time, it's subdivided in shorter, shorter cycles. It's not mentioned, like the intervals are not mentioned, but that's definitely something I've heard many times from different sources, uh, like you know, astrono- astronomers, etc, who are um, studying the cycles of the universe, and some of these big events like apocalypses or deluges, are predictable and were predicted by, you know, for instance, the Mayan calendar and stuff like that. That's what it's about. And so, again, in this uh, account from Plato, long intervals and recurring intervals of time between deluges are mentioned. And here is what Terupun said to Solon. At such times, so speaking of, you know, the deluges, at such times, those who live upon the mountains and in dry and lofty places are less liable to destruction than those who dwell by rivers or on the seashore. And so Terupin continued describing how the survivors uh, in ancient Greece of the Deluge were always shepherds who dwelt in the mountains, often without any education, while you know all the civilized people lived in cities by the rivers or on the seashore and those educated guy like civilized people were systematically destroyed by the floods and deluges so basically those with the capacity of writing down history and passing on history were always obliterated by the deluges and the only survivors were like shepherds without any educations who could only remember part of history because they were not living with the, the main, um, the bulk of the civilization, they were isolated in the mountains, they couldn't read or write and basically they were just passing on oral tradition and, and it was just a, a fraction of the whole history, right? So that was the case of the Hellenists. So that's what Terupun told to Solon. He said that his people has been destroyed so many times and every time it restarted always from the people living in the mountains who were uneducated and didn't know much. They could only remember their own time and partially because they were not participating in the city's life and like they couldn't say much about education, politics, religion, etc. because they were apart uh, from the society. And so, here is another interesting quote from Therupon. Just when you and other nations are beginning to be provided with letters and the other requisites of civilized life, after the usual interval, the stream from heaven, like a pestilence, comes pouring down and leaves only those of you who are destitute of letters and education. And so you have to begin all over again like children and know nothing of what happened in ancient times, either among us or among yourself. And so that's, that's becoming very exciting, guys, because we understand that Terupom knows about the Hellenists. Since he has this information, he knows what happened to these people and why they don't remember their history. So it seems he knows their history. Not only does he know Egyptians' very whole history, but also the history of other people such as the Hellenists. So I have so many things that come to mind when I think about that. But I want to stay focused. The mission here is to get you interested and get you to read Timaeus for yourself. So I want to go through the different topics that are mentioned in this book. And maybe in the further episode after episode nine when I've when I'm done with, you know, doing the same thing as today but for Critias, Then I'll give you my thought on all of that because it's so intertwined with other stories and other civilization that it makes a lot of sense. And again, Today, in the light of what we found in the recent years about ancient civilizations, all of that makes so much sense. But maybe in past decades and centuries, the scholars were unable to link any dots, right? Like they were like, okay, cool, that's a cool story, but it seems like it's a myth because, it, you know, it doesn't fit. like, it, it, we don't know what to make of it. So let's say it's a myth or a legend, you know, ancient Greeks were fond of myth and stuff like that. So that's all it is. Like Plato was probably high on on shrooms and, you know, he invented those stories to illustrate his ideals and that's it. But I think it's a bit disrespectful and he, like Plato's make it really clear that it's a, an historical account. And you'll see that even more clearly in Critias. But let's go on. I want to talk about Ancient Egypt and the Hall of Records. So Serehupan explains that the land of Egypt was never affected by deluges. As the water never comes from above, there is no mountains around, the Nile Delta, but the water came from below by the flooding of the Nile, which was a benediction, like a positive event for Ancient Egyptians and never really destroyed anything since they were masters of it. They used the Nile River floodings for their agriculture, etc. So nothing was ever destroyed by the Nile there or not to the extent of a deluge, right, that would wipe out the entire civilization and erase their memory. That never happened there in Egypt. And so the ancient Egyptians were aware of this privileged situation being protected from the deluges and they understood that one of their sacred mission was to record the world's history and preserve it for generations to come. And here is a quote from Thereupon about that. He says, whatever happened either in your country or in ours or in any other region of which we are informed. If there were any actions noble or great, or in any other way remarkable, they have all been written down by us of old, and are preserved in our temples. So Theropon finishes to explain to Solon that he couldn't remember much of the Hellenes' story, because many deluges happen, and every time, only... The shepherds the one you know dwelling in the mountains survived and were unable to accurately save and transmit pass on uh, history since they couldn't write they couldn't read it was all oral tradition and it got distorted over time and that's why what was historical became legend because it got distorted and details were lost facts were lost and only remained like a vague depiction of a civilization that is now lost. And since even back then and even for us today in 2024, we are so materialistic, we want to find stone evidences, archaeological evidences. If we cannot find that, then we would dismiss that as a myth or legend. But we don't realize it's literally said that Atlantis disappeared, not even started or existed but disappeared in 9600 BC. So that's almost 12,000 years ago. 12,000 years ago. That's huge. We can't really realize how advanced they were. Maybe they already had knowledge and mastery of like nuclear weapons, right? So maybe they utterly destroyed the surface of the earth. And so how could you find any debris or archaeological evidence twelve thousand years after after that. And the globe, the continents have changed a lot. The weather, the, the ice age and then the several deluges, etc. Like, we don't even realize what happened on Earth. And we're like, yeah, there is no archaeological evidences. so that's just a myth. How dumb is that? It's not it's not a, a valid argument. It's not a valid point. Here, so, and on top of that, Plato insists a lot, like the whole introduction, the whole context on how Solon met with Theropon and and how he got all of this uh, information. And same with Critias when he's he talks about drop hits and um, you'll find a lot of details if you read the book directly. You'll see that you can sense how important it is for Plato to for us to understand it's not a myth. So Serupan says that the reason why he cannot remember the Hellenes' history and he never heard of it is because, and I quote, In the first place, you remember a single deluge only, but there were many previous ones. In the next place, you do not know that there formerly dwelt in your land the fairest and noblest race of men which ever lived, and that you and your whole city are descended from a small seed of remnant of them which survived. So again, like, just wanted to add this quote to to show you its textual. I'm not even adding anything myself. It's just in the text, what I told you about the different deluges, etc. It's clearly written in Timaeus. So... Definitely go read it, guys. It's fascinating. And once you start to read actual accounts and not YouTube videos, you know, made by YouTubers who most of the time never read those accounts either. They just got inspired by other YouTuber, YouTubers or maybe they read something about Atlantis, but they never got to a point to say, hey, let's purchase and Critias, by the way it's like a few bucks on amazon or you can find it everywhere even as a an ebook again it's an easy read it's quite short and once you've read it once then you you want to read more like you want to find other historical pieces so basically we can say that thanks to the ancient egyptians ancient greeks recovered their past origins And Atlantis resurrected from oblivion, literally, in humankind's consciousness. Because back then in 600 BC, people never heard of Atlantis, right? They completely forgot about that. And Solon, like I mean the Hellenists at least, because the Egyptians knew about that. And so thanks to Solon now, the whole civilization, the ancient Greeks, became aware of the existence of the ancient Hellenes and the Atlanteans, The ancient Egyptians are key to our current knowledge of this distant history, thanks to the Hall of Records. And I'll record a lot of episodes also about Freemasonry and Gnosticism and ancient wisdom because all of that comes from those remote... Teachings, right, from past civilization, before the deluges, antediluvian civilizations basically. All the symbols, the symbology you can hear about, etc. It all comes from before the last deluge and even b- before previous deluges as we will see later on. Now that's where it's getting very interesting because we learned that Atlantis was actually the name of the island continent that was right in front of the columns of Heracles, which is nowadays Strait of Gibraltar, the entrance of the Mediterranean Sea between Morocco and Spain, right? So that's called the Strait of Gibraltar. And it used to be called the Pillars or the Columns of Heracles, which is uh, the Greek name for Hercules. So according to Sereopon, the main island of the Atlantean Empire was right in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean in front of the pillars of Heracles, And he's telling about a war that the Atlanteans started against the Hellenes, which are, again, the Hellenes are the ancient Greeks, the ancestors of Solon, Critias, Socrates, Plato. They're open to explain what happened to their ancestors. He's telling the story of Atlantis. And so that's about the location of the Atlantean Empire. And we also learn about its dimensions. Terupon says that the island, and I quote, the island was larger than Libya and Asia put together. So that was quite a large island, right? That that was not uh, just the size of a city. It was an actual continent. Since it was, the size of ancient Libya, which is basically ancient Africa, the northern uh, part or half of Africa was called ancient Libya. And if you put Asia Minor, so it's basically the region of Turkey, and you put ancient Libya and Asia Minor together, you get the size of the main island of the Atlantean Empire. So that's massive, that's huge. That's a huge continent, actually. In the middle of the atlantic ocean in front of the strait of gibraltar so we know exactly where it was the size it was so sometimes i'm a bit confused to see youtube videos for instance about the top 10 possible location of atlantis well it turns out there are probably more than 10 locations for atlantis because it was a huge continent it was a huge empire so you can find clues about Atlantis in many places, right? It's, it's like saying the top 10 places where America could be. Well, it's huge, right? So you can, you can say, yeah, it's up north or down south, or it's actually right in the middle, or it's in the Pacific Ocean or in the Atlantic Ocean. Actually, it's in both, right? If you only find small places uh, and you call it America, then you are right every time. But the truth is that America is much larger than that. Same with Atlantis. Yes, probably it's eastward half of the American coast. It's also westward from the European coast. So it's, you know, it's one of those where... Everyone can give you a different location for Atlantis and will be right, actually. In more information on the location and the size, Serupin says that the island continent was larger than Libya and Asia combined, right? It was one of the largest continents back then in 9000 BC. Half the west coast of Atlantis were numerous other smaller islands including what are known today as the Caribbean islands. From these islands, one could reach what we call today America. And here is what Therupon says about that, he says, The island was larger than Libya and Asia put together, and was the way to other islands. And from these, you might pass to the whole of the opposite continent which surrounded the true ocean. Theropon describes the Atlantic Ocean as a true ocean as opposed to the Mediterranean Sea which he describes as a harbor in comparison. America was also depicted as a boundless continent which leaves no doubt about its identity like it was like boundless like to me it sounds like it's even larger than the island continent of Atlantis, right? So we have a good idea of the size of Atlantis. And a really, really accurate location, right, as well. And also there were surrounding islands and going west, you you also find the east coast of America, the Caribbean islands, etc. So it's quite precise. I don't understand people who are still speculating. We know where it was. Couldn't be elsewhere, right, according to Plato. If you believe, like me, that this is an historical account, then we know where it was. We know even more than that. In just this introduction in Timaeus, Serupon says that now in this island of Atlantis, there was a great and wonderful empire which had rule over the whole island and several others and over parts of the continent, so America. And furthermore, the men of Atlantis had subjected the parts of Libya within the columns of Heracles as far as Egypt. So basically, Atlantis had dominion over the northern part of Africa and going east, their influence was going as far as Egypt and up north on the other side of the Strait of Gibraltar. Serupon says, Atlantis had subjected the parts of Libya within the columns of Heracles as far as Egypt and of Europe as far as Tyrrhenia, which is the ancient name of Turkey. So all the southern part of Europe from Spain, France, Italy, you know, going up to Turkey, they were all under the dominion of the Atlantean Empire. So the proper territory was that main island in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, parts of Eastern America, North and South America, Caribbean Island as well, and Southern Europe and Northern Africa, right through Turkey and Egypt, right? And then what is after those two nations? Well, this was Athens and the Greeks. The Atlantean Empire was wise, powerful, very advanced technologically and almost of a divine nature. But generations after generations, their leadership became more and more human and more and more ambitious and more and more interested in power and these kind of things like they got corrupted basically and so they basically disrespected their own golden rules which were that they were not allowed to fight against each other and also they were not allowed to expand and conquer other civilizations unless it was absolutely necessary. And so they decided that they wanted to get dominion over the whole world and impose their own culture. And um, they went to war with the ancient Greeks, the Hellenes, And the Hellenes lost the war, except for their capital city, Athens, which was able to resist and finally overthrow and and defeat the Atlanteans. And they were able to survive the war, free and liberate not only ancient Greece, but also all the other nations within the pillars of Heracles who were subdued uh, by the Atlanteans. But in this process of liberation, this context of victory for the Hellenes and defeat for the Atlanteans, a great deluge happened. But because of the war and the loss of wisdom and divine nature of uh, the Atlanteans and because of the uh, chaos that was caused by the war, people lost track of the stars and the celestial events and they've been unable to anticipate the deluge except for a few Priest who got the time to get underground and in the mountains to survive. That's basically Noah's ark story happening in the last deluge. And Noah is a survivor, an Atlantean survivor. And you can read about him, of course, in the Bible. And so practically no one survived except a few wise men. And the deluge wiped out the entire surface of the earth and almost all species, like not only humans, but also animals, etc. And that's where this introduction about Atlantis ends, in Timaeus. So I voluntarily left aside some details. In case you want to read the story yourself, if you don't want to but you still want to you know, get a better idea of what's in Timaeus, you can head over to heru.fm, H-E-R-U dot F-M. Or on Medium, you can also look up uh, the Heru podcast or Tom THP. So Tom with a zero instead of the O and THP standing for the Heru podcast, right? You can find me on X as well and you'll find the the website, etc. So my personal take on Timaeus is that everyone interested in Atlantis should read it, definitely. Because it's easy to read, it's short, full of information and... You can sense reading it that it was not meant to be a legend or a fiction. It's an accurate and historical account, and it's just an introduction. Actually, an introduction to creatures, and you'll see in the next episode that there is absolutely no way to have so many details and you know, like dimensions of um, buildings and details about all aspects of you know society education military technology geography why would plato make all this up just to illustrate some ideas it doesn't make any sense you you can tell it when you read it but if you listen to scholars or YouTube videos or Wikipedia, or you will always find a little sentence saying scholars agree that Plato r- wrote those accounts of Atlantis as a fiction to illustrate his ideals. Well, read the text and tell me if you think so, if, if you think that's the case. I am quite sure it was not the case. That's it for Timaeus. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'm looking forward to episode 9, Atlantis part 2, you know Atlantis in Creteus. Bye.